And my mum and dad were always one of these sort of people that would give, um, they couldn't give me stuff. They couldn't give me a car or they couldn't give me, um, you know, you know, fancy clothes or, you know, back then a Reebok, you know, some pumps or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um, they tried very hard to put me in a surrounding where I grew up with, you know, influence. Hey folks, Jason Witten here, your host of the Well Faculty Podcast. And today I had a very special treat. I got to sit down with my business partner, Sam Saggers. We've been in business now with uh, Positive Real Estate over 18 years. We started business 20 years ago together and uh, what a ride it's been. And we had a bit of a chat about Sam's journey, where he started, uh, where he is um, now, what he what he sees the future being when it comes to real estate investing and uh, what keeps driving him. Sam is a, an amazing investor. He is responsible for the deals, the properties that we have been able to negotiate and put together over the last 18 odd years. Sam's been you know, fundamental in negotiating over 6,500 property deals. Uh, we started out as a buyer's agency uh, for the first 10, 12 years of our world and then entered an investment agency. But, you know, 6,500 deals across Australia and New Zealand, he is certainly one of the most experienced property investment agents in the country, hands down, um, when it comes to helping property investors uh, navigate this thing called property investing. And his brain, he's written four property investment books. Uh, he is my business partner in over seven uh, property-related businesses across two different countries. Sam is a very understated, a very humble guy, but he is an absolute powerhouse of a property expert when it comes to what to invest in, where to invest in, why to invest in uh, a certain type of deal. And uh, we had a bit of a chat about all sorts of stuff today. And I really enjoyed this conversation with Sam uh, about uh, you know his world and where he sees the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of his passion and also the real estate marketplace. And, um, you know, we uh, we dove deep. So I hope you enjoy this chat with Sam Saggers, founder, co-founder of uh, Positive Real Estate, along with me uh, on the Wealth Faculty Day. Sam Saggers, welcome to the podcast, The Wealth Faculty. So awesome to have you on. Mate, Jace, uh, always a dream of mine to be on The Wealth Faculty. <laughs> I can't believe it's taking you so long, but... Uh, Hey, I'm a fan of the show. You got you rock it, man. You get so many good guests on. I'm I'm um, privileged to be here. I would say, oh, mate, uh, saving the best till last, or uh, saving the best till a good time, which is which is good for you. But congratulations, just for everyone and you, mate. Congratulations, tying the knot. It's taken a little while. Yeah, yeah, mate. Um, finally, finally met you know the one, so to speak. So time to lock it lock it down, and uh, yeah move on with my life to, to uh, better things. I, I, you know, certainly think, um, yeah, it took me a while, didn't it? I was bloody mucking around <laughs> there for, what, 45 years and um, fucking up 100 bloody relationships. But uh, I guess when you, you find the one, um, you know, you know, and, uh, and, and that certainly happened for me. So, um, yeah, do we swear on this podcast? I think I already uh, just dropped absolutely. an F-bomb. I'm, a few, sorry about, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> a few bombs are absolutely <laughs> fine. Anyone who listens to my stuff uh, knows that uh, uh, I get a little bit excited every now and then. So really chuffed for you, Sags. Um, so, so good to see you uh, settle on on one uh, 
Uh, you went unconditional for a while and you settled on this one, so you're good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I had a few, uh, few, you know, maintenance repairs, few renovations over the years, but no, it's been good, mate, and she's a good lass. She's um perfect match for me, and I think, um, yeah, as I sort of say, I'm, I'm blessed to have uh, met such a good girl. Happy for you. So today we're going to have a bit of a chat. Um, uh, you know our crowd. Um, the, the property investment community. And we do have a few business owners and other people listening into the, the wealth faculty as well. But uh, I'd love to maybe, you know, start um, as if nobody really knows you. And, and uh, so you and I uh, have been in business 18 odd years now. But for you, let's talk about Sam Saggers, where it all began for Sam. You know, you've you've actually got the, the classic, you've said it yourself, the, the rich dad Poor dad uh, story, the poorest boy in the richest suburb. Where did it all yeah. start for you? Uh, well, it's, it, it, is, it is an interesting, I guess, um, I guess you're always exposed to your surroundings and you can start to make decisions in, in you know, I guess what happens to you over life. And certainly for me, um, I grew up in a suburb called Hunters Hill. Today, Hunters Hill is probably... You know, arguably, you know, top five wealthy yeah. suburb in Australia. It's kind of full of millionaires, billionaires, some great property people. People like, for example, Lang Walker, um, who's a obviously a, a well-known property billionaire. You know, um, were were foundational people of this kind of neighbourhood, and and I grew up in this neighbourhood as a as a really kind of awkward kid because uh, for me, my family. Um, worked at Paddy's Markets. My mum and dad worked at uh, at the markets selling, you know, obviously produce and things as market people do. And and uh, I got to grow up, um, you know, a little bit awkward. Um, I tell the story in, in uh, my podcast as Chernobyl boy. I grew up in this street which fundamentally should never have existed as a <laughs> residential street. Um, there was a watch factory in this street which... Um, to make watches glow back at the turn of the last century, they used uranium. My mum and dad decided to buy real estate in this really wealthy suburb. We didn't belong there. We were outcasts. Um, but what it was was an amazing experience. And I think for, for my parents, it's, um, you know, I sort of grew up in that sort of framework where uh, my parents were unable to give me things but the fact that they didn't give me things was their greatest gift because yeah. it allowed me to be quite sort of cognizant and um, switched on to my surroundings. And I soon learned that, um, you know, rich people, um, you know, uh, have interesting lives and, and can do some amazing things with their life. And I guess I grew up in this kind of neighbourhood, which was a bit of a parallel universe, um, my mum and dad drove around in a shitty car. Uh, mum had the Datsun Sunny. Dad had this kind of weird truck which was beaten up and full of produce. And literally some of the people of the neighbourhood were, you know, absolutely gazillionaires. I mean, yeah. you, you literally had, um, you know, 16-year-old kids driving Ferraris and then there was us, you know. So um, I, I got to, I guess, watch and observe people of wealth and understand the good bits and the bad bits. And uh, certainly for me, um, 
it allowed me to also meet some inspirational people at a very mm-hmm. young age. Um, and I think it it certainly many of those people were real estate people and had a bit of an impact. I kind of knew I would end up in the real estate world very early on. And um, some yeah, I'm of curious my, about that. I'm curious about that. Like, was there a moment? Uh, when did you move there? Like, what at what age? Oh, I was I was I was you were born, born there. there. Born there. So, yeah. at what point? Like, was there a moment in your early life where you know you know often when you're kids you kind of no one's different until you notice the difference. Was there a point when you noticed that and were like, shit, yeah, you know, yeah, these no, people no, have got no. lots of money and maybe we don't, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, absolutely. It's probably um, a friend of mine, a guy called Teddy Grace. And um, Ted was, uh, he was a bundle of laughs. Good, good kid, good bloke. Um, and Ted's family started Grace Brothers. And, yeah. of course, Great Grace Brothers is now Myers. And nice. uh, if you've ever watched a, uh, an episode of the early episodes of The Bachelor, they, they held that show in Ted's house. Ted basically lived in kind of Buckingham Palace. Um, for me, it was Buckingham Palace. I went there <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, I live in an itchy horrible house, three bedroom, built in the 1940s. Um, you know, there's mold everywhere. Basically, we had one bathroom. Um, my dad tried to build a pool and then gave up halfway through and the backyard was like a, a you know, it felt like a demolition zone. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, then there's Ted's house and there's like, um, you know, porticochures and tennis courts and, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a butler's quarter and you know it just blew my mind and and uh, you know going to that house as a as a, a youngster um, and playing there and doing all sorts of different sports um, and uh, recreation in his house kind of like absolutely pointed out there was a big difference between yeah. um, I guess the have and have nots of of society and and uh, certainly created a massive influence. And and I think the second time was my mum and dad tried to get me into Riverview College. Um, and my mum and dad were always one of these sort of people that would give, um, they couldn't give me stuff. They couldn't give me a car or they couldn't give me, um, you know, you know, fancy clothes or, you know, back then a Rebox, you know, some pumps or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um, they tried very hard to put me in a surrounding where I grew up with, you know, influence. And, you know, I always remember going to St. Ignatius Riverview. Um, it's the college. It, it's, you know, a, a very prestigious school. Um, and really, um, as soon as they saw me and my mum rock up in that Datsun Sunny, I think... <laughs> You know, we failed the test straight away. So I absolutely knew early on that, um, you know, rich people and and people without money are are treated very differently in the eyes of society. And um, you know, big motivation for me was always to um, to learn from that and and grow and and go in um, my own direction in a way. Yeah. Well, it it. I mean. Must be why you're good at tennis. Then you played a lot of tennis at, uh, <laughs> at your mate's yeah, place. yeah. I learned a bit of tennis uh, at Ted. I used to, I used to play with Ted a lot on his tennis court. Yeah, yeah. We used to uh, have some good battles. So you know, uh, you're growing up. You're noticing 
this this difference in money and wealth. You know, when did like you were mentioning before? Uh, when did the game of real estate become something that you thought, yeah, I I reckon that that would uh, pique my fancy? Was that something you consciously chose, or did you sort of end up there, sort of? You know? uh, yeah, it was it, like I always describe my life as a series of sliding doors, and mm. I feel like I feel like I've I've always chosen some very good pathways, and I think it's um, you know a little bit of luck and a little bit of opportunity. I've always been one to to sort of read between the lines very very well, um, but yeah, absolutely. I look my early mentor in in um, really wealth. Uh, is a gentleman today who's probably the eleventh richest Australian as as a family as a family wealth, um, and he taught me early on in my teenage years that um, unless you start to you know invest and think about investing, you're never going to put yourself in a position to create passive income. And he would, um, and my friend Sean, um, who's who's his son, I would spend a lot of time, um, you know, going around and, and looking at their holdings. And they, they're a company called Gwynville. Um, and they own some of the biggest retail holdings um, here in Australia. Much of Manly Corso, they're, they're owners of. Um, much of Martin Place here in Sydney, which of course is a pocket of our financial logistic they own, much of Pitt Street Mall, much of Oxford Street Paddington is all their holdings. Mm. And I got to learn um, really through observation that uh, certainly owning assets in real estate is obviously a very smart thing to do because for them, they, you know, they, they uh, created a tremendous set of wealth and lifestyle for themselves and um you know I, little things like you know my school holidays i'd be you know up the park playing cricket they would be you know in hamilton island you know it's just yeah. just the difference in in what was occurring and the experiences they were living were um you know pretty amazing compared to certainly my basic level experience and and i i obviously found out through real estate um that real estate was the place for me to, to grow into. Um, and really, Sean, who was, you know, my best friend um, growing up, you know, he was a big influence on me to go into real estate. And uh, I just happened to get into real estate through the school system. I, um, I went to the local high school um, where in my, in my, my suburb and uh, I got um, actually expelled from from the rugby team and on Tuesdays, <laughs> rather than go to uh, school and go to school sport, um, I, I did a combination of things. And, and one of those things was to start to think about real estate and, and, and real estate as a career. And I did you know, all sorts of odd jobs like handing out brochures on real estate and things like that. And then literally by the time I left school, um, I had my real first job in real estate and um yeah that was uh that was sort of my journey um probably understood real estate was something i should get involved with really from my teenage years till my first opportunity to enter the real estate market i've been in real estate what now i don't know 26 27 years now yeah 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 well thank you uh 
Thank you to that sliding door moment where you got a, got expelled because uh, we wouldn't be here today if that that yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, you know, you look yeah. you look back on those things. Absolutely, that's yeah, um, yeah. A lot of life experience, I think, probably my early years, as opposed to um, you know experience from from so much from the the uh, school system, so to speak. So yeah, yeah, I, I got to grow up in a in a very um, you know, world of observation, which was really handy for me. Would have been fascinating. And and you talk a lot about your dad and your parents. Um, you know, obviously your mum and dad were, you know, very hard workers and, you know, that work ethic. What were some of the lessons that, that came, you know, it's an interesting combination of like really sort of gritty, hardworking, like, you know, can do it. And then that wealth around you, like I'm really fascinated about how that yeah, sort of melded yeah, no, the yeah, Sam Saga yeah. story, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, I also got to observe that wealthy people don't always have greatest lives, that they yeah, uh, uh, right. can also, um, you know, uh, be a little bit greedy or be a little bit ostentatious and, and quite often, um, you know, find themselves in a place where they don't know what their purpose is. So for all the good bits of wealth, um, there are certainly some bits which if you don't know how to um, certainly master your own game you can r run into some trouble yeah and i guess for me you know with my my mum and dad and and their work ethic and their their ability to um you know guide me through uh a, you know what is quite often you know your pioneering years is they were great like my dad my dad was a market man and um you know he always used to in instill in me the same sort of logic around uh around wealth creation in the in the context that you know he would say money is made at the market sam and you know if you're not um part of the marketplace you're 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 not going to be exposed to to opportunities and yeah. for him the market was obviously patty's markets um where he would go to most days and and sell stuff but you know, I'd see him come home from the market with literally, um, you know, paper money back then, um, one and two dollar bills and five dollar bills and fifty dollar bills, and um, you know, he would plonk it on the floor and um, get me to count it, and uh, I would fairly well count the day's takings every single day, and and he would just, you know, explain to me like, mate, you've got to, you've got to, um, you know make your money in the market and if you if you're not part of it you're not playing the game and so certainly um as early as i can remember i've been had factuations with um being involved in in sort of buying and selling and trading and and all of that kind of um game of chess of which you know um real estate is very much a game of chess but early on totally. yeah i did that through much of my dad's um you know I guess direction. Yeah, it sounds like a good set of values, um, values and morals that you probably got from your family, and then you saw some other ways to, you know, to pursue the wealth for yourself, which sounds like a great combination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think um, you know it really can uh, be up to the individual. Like you can, you know, I certainly think um, I could have chosen to be a bit of a victim when it comes to the way I grew up and. Mm. Uh, for me, I just, again, saw it as probably one of the greatest gifts I could ever get was that my parents, without, um, you know, 
necessarily knowing, you know, made it hard enough for me to think on my own two feet as to move forward in life. And, um, you know, I think certainly when I look at some of my peers who, who perhaps got things easier and gifted to them, um, you know, they certainly uh, today, 20, 30 years later, um, yeah. some of, sometimes I question, you know, where's that uh, resolve and backbone to keep going? Um, and I guess pain is a, is a measure quite often of success. And I guess in my early um, years, uh, you know, I went through a fair share of, of pain, so to speak, compared to what was around me but it it did awaken me to to um you know having some guts and going for it having a crack at it well you know um let's fast forward from there to um the the interesting day that you and i met in um in harbour yeah, um yeah yeah can you uh you know can you tell everyone your story of the day we we met and 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 our relationship you know, started in its uh, very simple form and, you know, it's 20-odd yeah, years yeah. later now, yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, what what attracted me to working alongside you when we first met was you had mastered the art of living with nothing and I had also mastered the art of living with nothing. Yeah. And I think when two people come together who can master having nothing and moving forward, there is this really unique bond because money wasn't my motivation and it wasn't your motivation. Yeah. And I think you would be as happy as I would be without money. Um, it was more that quite often I think when two people come together and, um, you know, there's this... Uh, uneven expectation, it's very hard to grow together. And mm. and I just remember, you know, meeting you and, and Shay and, and going, you know, these guys are really humble, um, really smart. They've got um, so much wisdom and they've got nothing. And I kind of, within myself, believed the absolute same thing about me. I, I, I didn't have two cents to rub together. Um, I, but I'd mastered living off nothing. Like, and when I say nothing, I, I could literally make the smallest amount possible, a uh, couple of hundred dollars, and work out how to live, uh, eat, and produce. And I think a lot of people, in my view, um, can't actually go forward in life if they have a fear around... Uh, not having something. And that fact that you and Shay were really happy with nothing, um, I just think you'd mastered that art and, and so had I. But, yeah, when we met, um, I had uh, uh, a small little migration business and a market business. Um, I'd actually gone into real estate when I'd left school for about five years um, and I ended up, actually um, going over to Europe and spending some time in Europe um, and having a great time doing all sorts of things over there. But uh, I tell this story not all that often. Um, when I was in Europe with uh, one of my best friends, we got, uh, as they say, banged up abo abroad. Um, <laughs> not, not banged up abroad. A 
Banged abroad. Up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we spent a little bit of time incarcerated in in Germany as young men. And uh, we were there for uh, sort of, I don't know, two months or something, um, waiting to, to go to the court. Um, and what had happened, we basically got in a fight at Oktoberfest with, um, with Germans. And at the time, um, there was uh, a situation... At the time, basically, there was all these kind of like hooligan rules in Germany because Britain or English soccer teams would go to Germany and cause all this havoc. Anyway, we got kind of caught up in a in a situation beyond our control. And, um, you know, I guess for me, like, I, I started to, to um, question my place in this world when I was in there, um, where my true values were what I really believed in. And for me, I, I didn't as much miss uh, people as I very much missed places. And mm. really I learned inside myself during that experience that um, I really was connected to, to the idea of understanding um, areas and places. And of course, you know, it's a big part of my story now is, is I teach people about where to invest and what type of places are doing what. And, and it really stems from being taken away from places. Um, yeah. And for me, um, you know, after that experience and, you know, eventually went to court and the court sort of threw it all out that it was all, you know, just young men having a, having a bit of a battle at the time and um, sent us on our merry way. But I actually went and, and lived in Sweden after that and, um, when I was in Sweden, I got myself a visa and I, I, I actually lived as an immigrant um, and I was, the way the Swedish system kind of works is you are uh, sort of, as a, as a new migrant to the com uh, country, you're kind of put in a migrant quarter for, the, for, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, and right. I, I got to live with um, people from really you know places which just do not sound fun war-torn yugoslavia uh war-torn middle east and i just got to to know people at a at a um at a level where i knew if i could um you know make them a little bit happier in their life um i certainly saw the results of that and i used to put on little migrant parties and things like that for them because yeah, you know, coming from Australia, even without a lot of money, it's a lot of money compared to the rest of the world. So, yeah. Um, but living in that experience, I got to learn that, you know, there's some pretty bleak places out in society um, and no bleaker than living in, in a migrant quarter. You are li literally living in um, buildings with absolutely no gardens no green space no atmosphere just absolutely ordinary ordinary real estate and my experience living in that um and meeting those people when i returned back to australia i was uh i was at a point in time in my life where i decided to become um get into migration law and i actually got my um uh migration law uh degree or certificate or whatever you call it and I became a uh, migration agent and big uh, part of my job then was to sort of support people 
through the visa system here in Australia. Uh, I started a little operation in Glebe on Glebe Point Road. Um, and uh, that was around the time um, I also kind of met you. And I remember it was a very ser serendipitous kind of moment for me because you sort of were advertising for, for a licensee and you were looking to, um, uh, you know, bring a partner on as to, uh, you know, help you with your real estate uh, business that you had founded, this great sort of buyer's agency kind of logic. And um, for me, you know, in the beginning, I was like, well, this is great. You know, this guy wants to pay me uh, 25 grand a year. I don't have any money. I've mastered the art of living off money. 25 <laughs> grand sounds great. Um, and I've got this other sort of little thing on the side, this migration business, which I'm trying to get off the ground. So I'll spend half my time over here with, uh, with Jason and Shay, and I'll spend the other half of my time um, doing uh, my business and try and use the money from here to make the money over there. So when we kind of first met, um, yeah, I, 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 it, was, it was purely a deal for me. Yeah. But then, I, you know, I have to say, and I fell in love with what your vision was, mate. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't uh, perfect at the time, but it, it was, again, I just sort of met someone who was going through the exact same experience that I was at the time, which was, you know, mastering not having anything to try and create something. Um, and, of course, you know... Uh, you know, 18, 19 years later, this is where we are. Um, certainly proud uh, as punch as to, to what we've both been able to achieve. But, you know, obviously I got to, to work alongside you for a while there and eventually, um, you know, became your partner and, and partnered up, mate. Yeah. So it was great, great experience. And, and of course, I got out of the migration uh, <laughs> because uh, I felt, you know, really my calling in life, this answered a lot of of what was inside me and, and really what was Bought inside me. a bunch me, together, really, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. Was, what was inside me was like this idea, well, I can help people. Uh, I can change the world by bringing places that I, I think are really crucial to community and society together. Um, and, you know, uh, over and above that, you know, just make this world a better place. And, and for me... Yeah. I thought I was going to make the world a better place through migration and, and today uh, with you and your help, we're making the world a better place through, through property. That's, yeah. that's, that's really why we do what we do. No, I love it. And I think one thing to point out for both of us when we were you know, working on you know, a potential vision for, for what we both saw this might be, we both still had side hustles. I remember, you know, you used to have your side hustle doing those other things and even sometimes you'd still do some stuff at markets and stuff with your dad as well. And then I remember on the weekends and after hours, I was um, I was actually doing decking, um, you know, uh, stainless steel decking, balustrading for people like, you know, when I had spare time to make an extra buck or two too because, you know, uh, it's, it's an interesting one where people think, 18 years later, they look at us and go, oh, wow, you guys have made, you know, made a fist of it. And it's like, well, you know, 18, 19 years ago, you know, we, we didn't oh, make a mate, penny. We yeah. had to do second jobs we, to get by. <laughs> uh, and, and sometimes I tell the story and I feel like, you know, let's face it, I, you know, people sort of listen. But, mate, it was it taught you so much. I remember, you know, probably my lowest point of going through a business foundation alongside you 
you know, we weren't paying ourselves, you know, it was yeah. like, we were literally living below the poverty standards. Like, I even think, um, you know, like, like, you know, it was less than an award, right? Like an award yeah. at the time. <laughs> it would was, have been illegal to have us as employees. <laughs> yeah, we, we, were, we were illegal. We were employing ourselves illegally and paying ourselves basically, um, you know, pittance. And, yeah. and I, I remember like one of the darkest moments, you know, for me was probably, you know, I remember being at the pub with, with my, all my good mates and, um, you know, you, you know, when you're at the pub with your mates, you got to buy a round and, um, you know, they'd all bought their rounds and I was like, oh, fuck. I hope everyone's <laughs> going home. I hope it doesn't come to me. And, you know, there's six of us and it's my turn. And, and I just had to, uh, I went over to the ATM and, and nothing came out. And I was like, oh, no. And I just went and told everyone, look, you know, I just, I just don't have any money. And, um, you know, uh, friends are, are very forgiving and, and lovable creatures. So for them, they just thought I was being frugal and tight. But to me... I, I just knew, like, um, you know, it, w it was just one of those moments where, you know, you, you particularly in business, um, yeah, you know, you live month to month, and and uh, and you know, one day you, you've got a few bob, the next minute you don't, and that's just, again, I think the idea of, you know, mastering this thing called having nothing to actually get to somewhere where you're you're responsible for your own life and you're able to to live without fear. Um, and I think obviously today money is a, a big fear for people and, and obviously we coach people around, yeah. you know, just getting over that fear and moving on with their life and, and, and heading in the right direction. But yeah, I've had a few of those moments checking the couch for some <laughs> coins to, you know, buy a kebab and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think both you and I certainly in our in our first decade lived uh, lived on the edge, I would yeah. say, of of uh, of this thing called business. Yeah, and I reckon I reckon it was a decade. You know, it was a decade together. You know, it's an interesting one. I think you know potentially, you know, liken it to being you know being in this kind of battle or in the trenches together. You know, we 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 share common values, and you know, we care about people. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, for the first decade, um, you know, we honed our skills and, and, um, and the reasons by, by why we wanted to do this. And it wasn't about money. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, now that, that money flows well. But uh, for the first 10 years, it was kind of in a quite a significant deficit. You know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, many um, business people, um, you know, often pay themselves last, and yeah. uh, and certainly at that time though, you know, we we're doing some great work for for customers. Like, yeah, hundred uh, percent. We were we were absolutely changing the world. We were helping people buy, you know, at the time, you know, two hundred thousand dollar properties that went on to be three hundred thousand dollars. And I remember we were like three hundred thousand dollars. The market's ended. Yeah, this uh, is it. Never, <laughs> no one <will> ever, <laughs> no one will ever pay four hundred grand. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, just honed our skills. But, yeah. you know, those early foundation years where, you know, we would put together deals for people and create um, financial outcomes for people. I, I just think, you know, the goodwill of, of, of what um, has been created uh, through, through our series of businesses and um, our workmanship, you know, a lot of that was, was due to those foundational years where, 
we had such a big impact on people's lives and, and it allowed us, I think, to go home smiling at night and feeling like we made a difference in the world, um, even though we were looking in our couch for, uh, you know, some coins for a kebab. Couple to get by, yeah. Well, you know, um, for those listening in, we're, you know, 7,000-odd property deals in after 20 years. As a buyer's agency, uh, I think I sort of was doing some rough math the other day. Sam, we've we've helped buy in over 87 different towns in Australia and New Zealand. So 87 different towns, 6,500 deals started out. I remember, do you remember the deal we did in... Um, <laughs> In Moree for nineteen thousand dollars, that nineteen thousand yeah, yeah, dollar house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember. Um, yeah, you know, I think that guy actually bought it on his credit card. Bought but, it on um, his credit card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we were. Um, well, that was the era, wasn't it? And you know, I think you always tell the story when real estate um, found the internet. And yes. Prior to that sort of period. Uh, many parts of Australia really the only way someone was going to buy real estate there was if they were, you know, doing the Leyland Brothers and driving around Australia and happened to stop in Moree or Gunnedah or, or Kalgoorlie yeah. or Port Hedland. Um, and, yeah, I mean, um, the internet sort of opened up that dynamic and all of a sudden, you know, that era, we were um, really pioneers in going, well, hang on a minute. Um, a property in Sydney's worth this and a really good property with intrinsic value, the actual uh, intrinsic worth of the land and the dwelling makes a lot of sense because you're buying something that you couldn't replace for $200,000 for $30,000, dollars $50,000. And, yeah. and really in our early days, we were um, just absolutely... Uh, carving it up when it came to finding some incredibly good value assets um, in, uh, you know, in marketplaces that no one had ever heard of. Um, no one knew about, yeah. <laughs> no one knew about. Um, I've, still got a, I've still got a painting out the back um, from a guy called Peter Dunning from, uh, from Caratha. From Caratha, yeah, I remember Peter Dunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a really, actually, it's a, it's a photograph and it's a really awesome photograph. He's a part-time photographer of a dust storm, um, you know, coming through the desert and, and engulfing the uh, uh, township there. And um, he, he couldn't quite comprehend why these two guys in Sydney would, would uh, ringing him, trying <laughs> to find deals in his town and, uh, you know, we did so many deals in sort of Port Hedland, Caratha at the time when it was a really good buy opportunity for people. Yeah. He, uh, he put this on his roof rack of his uh, Land Cruiser and actually drove from uh, the furthest place uh, west of Australia compared to Sydney. He drove all the way to Sydney to give it to me to say... Um, thank you for introducing his township to people from Sydney. And I was like, I hate to break it to you, Pete, but it's the internet, mate, not me. And um, uh, But no, it was a lovely story. And, and Love it. You know, uh, back then, you know, we were, we were doing deals with like BHP and, and uh, stuff. They were buying properties um, or selling properties to our investors for – 70,000, 80,000. Yeah, of course, nothing. they went on to almost be worth a million. Um, but then, you know, those townships, uh, you know, went through their correction phase and 
still today they're worth three, four hundred thousand dollars. So we timed that one pretty well. We got people into the market and then sort of took off from those, um, you know, new discovery marketplaces to more stable investing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yep. thereafter. Thereafter. Well, I mean, the last 10 years, you know, like you said, we've refined our craft and, and um, you know, honed where we're at. The last 12 months has been a pretty mad ride. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you see now? You know, um, what do you see now the next 10 years might be for, for investors? You know, we talk about this a lot with you know, people in mentoring and stuff like that, but those listening in, you know, your 20 plus years experience and, you know, you're very humble, you know, you've negotiated, you know, those 6,500 deals across multiple towns in Australia. You've seen every type of deal possible. You know, I don't think there's anyone else in the country with that sort of experience, to be quite honest. Um, but, you know, what your experience now, what do you see the next decade looking for the next yeah, couple of years, yeah, next decade? No, uh, and, and I think like for me, um, I, I'm absolutely trying to master this thing called real estate. And um, I think, you know, for a lot of people, autonomy is very difficult in the real estate marketplace. Very hard for someone who perhaps works as a school teacher or, uh, you know, fireman um, to be exposed to just enough hours in the real estate market to sometimes just put the dots together. Um, And I guess for me, you know, I know for you, Jace, you know, you've become this sort of master of business and, and, uh, you know, we all look up to you when it comes to some business guidance. And, and I like to think I'm going in a direction where um, I'm, I'm sort of uh, going in a direction for property. And, and for me, I've, I've without question tried to learn this skill and this, this, this thing called real estate. And I guess when I look at my career over, I think it's 27 years now, um, there's been times where I've been in small regional towns and then there's times yeah. where I'm in, you know, the most expensive parts of cities and uh, there's been times where I've been involved in property management and finance and things like that. So I, I've been blessed to, I guess, get a good skill set when it comes to just my experience. And I, I guess something I'm most proud of is guest lecturing at Sydney University on behavioural economics around real estate. Yeah, um, And for me, that was a, a pretty critical moment in my life where I kind of thought, holy shit, like I actually know what I'm talking about. And um, even though I've written sort of five books on real estate, um, just, to, just to be sort of recognised as someone who can speak about, uh, you know, where real estate is trending and where it is going is obviously all the work I've done prior uh, to, to, you know, talking about it today. But certainly where I see real estate going in the future, it, it is uh, an asset which is going to continue to be very, very valuable for people. And I think an asset where people, without question, um, can get the best leverage from and build, build wealth out of, I think it is going to get a little bit harder and there is going to be some disruption in real estate. A lot of that yeah. may be centred around... Um, you know, people with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, low incomes being uh, fundamentally taken out of the real estate economy. I think some groups in 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 society, uh, you know, and I say to I hate to use the word, but if they don't watch where they're at in their life, they're going to be extinct from real estate. 
And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer of helping people who, you know, need to get ahead buy real estate, which is going to obviously be a, an attraction tool for the right consumers of tomorrow. And for me, you know, I always teach this idea that we need to buy where uh, there's a strong connection, a community um, where people want to live, uh, where people can play and there's some great natural amenity, whether it be coffee shops and bars or parks or urban forests, food, beaches or, or harbours. And of course, um, you know, I'm understanding that really where to make money in the future is going to be carved out uh, from just at a broad level, we can all make money out of real estate. I think we are seeing real estate morph into, we need to be very niche and selective about where to buy, mm. uh, who, who to rent our property to, and how to grow our income. And I think um, a lot of people I see falling into a trap at the moment is, well, you need to get into the market. Um, and really, a lot of people, it's great that they're getting in um, and it's a great fad being a property investor, but both you and I know property it can have a sting in its tail. And unless yeah. investors follow some real foundation principles of buying, um, they can certainly... Um, go off course when it comes to this thing called real estate. And so mm. I certainly I certainly think for a large proponent of society, buying in the right location, uh, and you and I teach this a lot, you know, quality location, quality property equals quality tenant, and yep. quality tenant equals a quality experience in the real estate marketplace and, and longevity, you know, going 10, 20, 30 years owning this stuff is half the battle uh, let alone just buying it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I have chatted about this a few times about, you know, that uh, 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 the, the rest of the world, you know, with uh, realestate.com and stuff, finding out, you know, about other places in real estate. And now there's no inefficiency in, in property pricing anymore. That was a decade plus of, you know, oh, wow, I found this place and look at the difference between what I can buy here and buy there. Um, but really that, without risk, to be honest, because now to go somewhere to get something extraordinary, the risk is now associated to the deal, right? So, you know, we're, yeah, we're coming back so, now to- So, so yeah. true, like, yeah. you know, um, when we think about, you know, buying those properties for $54,000, the risk um, was, you know, the liquidity risk was, was, was negligible. Like you yeah. could sell it in half an hour, it's like trading Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, now you're you're sort of seeing the marketplaces go through this obviously incredible uh, uh, growth spurt which we're going through at the moment, and it's it's really um, the conversation piece about well, to be part of that growth spurt, we need to make sure we end up owning the right asset when things actually cool off and slow down, not just getting into the marketplace, and that's where you know we're starting. We're fundamentally getting some great results for people, understanding that today, you know, people want a certain type of level of comfort, level of community, and level level of connection um, in in real estate. And you know, it's it's almost today. I personally believe that we've switched from broad-based economics when it comes to real estate to very much behavioral economics. We've yeah. gone from, you know, this thing's worth 300 and the market's 600, um, let's buy it. That's a mathematical equation. We've yeah. now gone full circle and gone, well, 
you know, um, things are expensive, so let's make sure we follow the right behaviours of what society wants. And uh, mm. it's very much where we're at at the moment, I think, when it comes to how to choose property and, and own it for a very long time. I think um, some people will wake up in the, you know, wrong suburb with an asset which is full of expenses, full of capital costs, and, and realise their tenant is, a, is an absolute dead shit and, uh, you know, is struggling to pay the rent. That doesn't sound fun to me. No, nah, and older than them. I mean, that was a classic the other day. I just caught up with one of my clients and they own a property that's 35 years old and they're contemplating at selling it, but it's a block of land eight kilometres from the CBD of Brisbane, uh, but its highest and best use is an old, like is much better than the really old 35-year-old house on it, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's an interesting yeah, one. Interesting. So they're thinking of yeah. selling it, uh, but it's it's way undervalued. So it's a, it's you're dead right. It's that conversation now. It's like, what is the future behaviour of the investors and where's that money going to be for you as an investor? Because, you know, that's uh, so, so important. Yeah, well, I mean, both you and I know, like even if some people make equity at the moment, some people just simply will never be able to use equity. So, yeah, um, you know, the, their ability to borrow, ability to get home loans, um, refinance, um, tap equity, it's all linked to people's incomes. And much of society incomes is, is getting cut off. The taps, uh, you know, challenge for those people. So, you know, I think um, for many, many people trying to build wealth out of real estate, the game has changed and... It's just about knowing sort of how to play that game in a much more tighter environment than when we were looking at $54,000 houses. Yeah. And people, you know, could buy 20 of them. You know, yeah. those days <laughs> yeah. sometimes, um, you know, are a bit unrealistic. But still, the results can be done through more quality assets, which is uh, which is really where we're at at the moment. And, it, you know, it's uh, doesn't it, – it, it certainly just means – Buying well in quality locations, which is an art form in itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, uh, you know, it's been good to have a bit of a chat with you today. Um, but I've got a few questions for you sort of, you know, um, as, uh, as part of, you know, getting, uh, getting to know you a little bit. Uh, one question, you know, I've asked a fair few people. You're a, you're a self-made multimillionaire um, as a property investor, extremely successful. You know, our businesses now are, are much more uh, positive cash flow than they were, you know, a decade ago. And, and um, you know, by and large, you know, if, uh, if you were to arrange your world in a certain way, you, you, you wouldn't have to work ever again. Um, you know, technically, you could take care of yourself and your future um, uh, family and uh, the new one that's added um, quite nicely. Why do you still go to work? What's the, what's the reason uh, for you? Oh, look, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people... Um, obviously, if you get to a level where where they're, I guess, comfortable and and at a place where, um, you know, they don't need to push themselves, you 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 do ask your this of yourself as to you know why do I keep doing this? And I I think for me, like honestly, real estate is such a an amazing amazing industry and really does give me my purpose. Um, and I know my purpose in life. I think um. You know, I've seen wealthy people who perhaps struggle with their purpose um, absolutely tap out. And, you know, they go into the stage of their life where they're fishing and, um, uh, you know, playing golf and things like that. And, and for a lot of them, they actually don't have a lot of people to hang out with because 
you know, you, particularly in your 40s, if, if people have made it to that place, um, you know, there's not a lot of other people around, um, yeah. sadly. Um, but for me, yeah, it's definitely what I love is is trying to fulfil my purpose. And, you know, you and I have this, this big dream, which is, uh, you know, uh, make the world a better place through property. And we want to yep. do that through helping people, helping uh, the planet and helping um, places become better. Um, and for me, I've still got some unfinished business is probably the, the best way to answer the question. Um, I'm very, um, I guess, pro making sure real estate investors end up in a really good place through green economics. I, mm. I believe, um, you know, the current property boom is very much what I would call uh, the smart property boom. In other words, it's really driven for the most part around, uh, despite obviously, you know, first homeowner boosts and the government pushing money into the economy and inflating asset values and all the rest, really what is occurring is uh, smart people in society, the skilled part of society is buying up the best real estate. And I've, I was saying this about five years ago, the next boom in real estate is going to be the skilled economy boom. Yeah, and We're seeing the yep. skilled economy buying places like Byron Bay. They're buying up the best parts of Sydney, best parts of Melbourne, best parts of Brisbane. Our job as a property investor is to get into them. But I also, you know, said five years ago, after the skilled property boom, the next boom in real estate is going to be the, the green economy boom. And uh, fundamentally... What is going to be behind that is is going to be you know um, you know a lot of technology based um, efficiencies coming into the real estate economy, mm. and for me I want to um, you know help guide these places which are going to be great investment areas and also these properties which um, will transform really the way the world works and and for me I've got a bit of work to do this year particularly when it comes to uh, the carbon output of real estate and how to go and offset that um, with some of uh, some of the ideas I have around around um, you know uh, paying our way when it comes to to um, bringing something that that uh, you know produces produces a carbon footprint and solving it. So I guess to answer that question, I haven't solved. The riddles of my own world and life and one of the riddles of my life is to fix this thing called property so that I can leave a legacy that the real estate I broker in Australia and New Zealand leaves the world a better place and I want to do that by um, getting into this thing called the sustainable economy and and I think maybe listeners you know think it's about hugging trees and shit like that it's not at all it's it's today we're dealing with some of the biggest risks in real estate that people have, have faced in a long time. Yeah. I always teach there's four risks in real estate. There's market risk, which is what most people talk about. But what about liquidity risk? What about insurance risk? What about operational risk? Yes. As the green economy unfolds, these sections in real estate are going to be um, very critical to understand. So. I certainly don't want to leave my customers behind. And for me, um, getting up and coming to work is a, is a pleasure. And I always explain it to people like this. You know, I guess some people go on holidays and just want to turn off the phone and, you know, fucking hate their job. And, um, you know, they're glad to get away from it all. When I go on holidays, I'll 
secretly want to, you know, see what's going on and, and be Yeah, you're looking at the property market and you're writing property books. <laughs> yeah, writing property books. Like, I love it, mate. Like, yeah. I just can't see myself doing anything else and I'd probably be bored if I just, you know, went kayaking. <laughs> yeah. you know, I can do that uh, anyway, you know. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, listen, I, I know that uh, everyone at PRE and also the clients are very grateful and very lucky to have you at the, at the front. Uh, Sags just uh, mastering this thing called real estate because you're an amazing master. You know, probably over. I was just doing some math. Probably fifty to sixty thousand hours of of input uh, and study over that sort of twenty thirty years. You know, uh, not many people take that passion and and turn it into something amazing. So we're all grateful for that. I've got one last question that I always all ask right. all of my guests and uh, Sam Saggers. What is the true meaning of wealth to you? Ah, yes, the famous question from the wealth faculty. Um, I think it, for me, the true meaning of wealth is, is really, um, I don't know, I look at life as a bit like a movie, right? You, wanna, you, want, you want some fun parts to your movie. Um, you want to get to the end of your life with stories. No one really cares if you've got money or, or you don't at the end of the life. It's kind of the movie you make through your life that really symbolises... Uh, probably how you feel the day you die. And, and for me, I think the true meaning of wealth is being a director of your own movie. And mm. I just love the fact that every single day now, I get to wake up and direct how I work, um, what I do, um, where I go, who I hang out with, um, what I learned today, um, what input, how I can give back. And I think a lot of people... Um, you know, in their worlds uh, are yet to get to that stage of, of refinement where they are directing their world and are directing their own movie. And in some respects, you know, going back to the point where we were at that place in our lives where, you know, we'd mastered the art of living with nothing, we also had mastered that that was part of the movie. And, and for me, uh, the meaning of wealth for me is, is this thing called making my own life movie and... and Sounds selfish, I guess, but it, but it is what it is. I, I'm having a great, great life. Great time. No, I love it. Thanks, uh, Sammy. Uh, it's um, it's certainly one that I think many listeners would be listening in, going, "Yeah, I'd like to be in charge of what I do every day. That'd be bloody awesome." You know, that that's certainly true meaning of wealth. Like my choice. You know, absolutely, it's all my yeah. choice. Yeah. Great. Well, Sam, thank you for joining me on the Wealth Faculty Day. Been an absolute treat to chat to you, and uh, appreciate your time. Mate, Jace, love ya. I will leave you and I'll probably see you in 10 minutes. <laughs> Cheers, Sam. See ya. Bye. Bye, mate. Hey, thanks for joining us on The Wealth Faculty. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe. We're all good podcasts are found. You can find us there. And if you want to watch it, you can subscribe on YouTube, Positive Mentor TV. And until the next episode, take care. Bye for now.